hello, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, today we have Juliana with us. Um, so Joseph's here as well, maybe. And Spirit. <laughs> um, do you want to introduce yourself, um, however much you want to share, and also your pronouns? Uh Koto. My name is Juliana, and my pronouns are she, her. I grew up in uh, like the Matamata Tito area mm. and um, with a massive family, six siblings and family wow. all over the Yeah, there's lots of us. <laughs> and um, then moved here to Hamilton for uni and that was in uh, 2011 and I've been stuck here ever since. Stuck so, here. Yeah. <laughs> Loving life at university ever since. No. Yeah. Don't elaborate on that um, stuck here. What's your thoughts? What do you think about Hamilton? I actually really like it. I know a lot of people kind of, you know, um, aren't very nice about Hamilton. (laughs) (laughs) But I I like that it's bigger than a town, Mm. um, but not like Auckland either. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a nice in between, like some good places to eat, lots of lovely people. And yeah. But it's growing too fast. It's growing way too fast. I'm like, no, I don't want your upgraded like (laughs) traffic. So true. (laughs) But yes, I I, I, I'm I'm on the same wavelength. Um, so we are curious. Um, how like what communities do you identify with, or like identify yourself within? Oh, that's a really interesting question. Um. I, I never, I never know what word to use for this. Good, like, and I guess that's kind of part of your question as well. Mm-hmm. Is like the LGBT plus community, mm-hmm. but then is that the word that, you know, not everyone come like likes that choice of mm-hmm. word, and then I never kind of know what word to use, so I tend to just go with not straight because it's kind cool. of very broad. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> But yeah, um, and then oh, as we've talked about, the CrossFit community is a very big one for me as well. And then I suppose as a like at the uni, you've got like a community there because you're like weirdly a student, but also because you're a graduate student, you kind of know the staff as well. So you're a mm-hmm. bit of a weird in between mm-hmm. in that space, I think. And um, yeah, I don't know. In Pākehā, I don't really think of it as a community so much as like a colonising thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, you said one of my favourite words. <laughs> go there, yeah. go there. Yeah, because I don't know, it doesn't feel like a community so much as like yeah. a structural system that needs to change. <laughs> totally yeah. agree. So. Yeah, I identify with that as well, like in regards to like the LGBT community. Like there's such a white Western acronym. Yeah, but then, as a white person, do we have agency to use anything but that? Yeah, but mm. then how do we be inclusive mm. of our Pacifica and our Indigenous and our people of color mm. within our community without speaking for them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I use queer. I'm mm. like I'm queer, mm. and it's also like fuck history at the same time. <laughs> yeah, mm. <laughs> that's a good call. Yeah, but I like that because it's not um, gendered. And it doesn't assume my gender or a partner's gender. Yeah. Mm. That's a really good point. Yeah. I suppose it's the hard, uh, yeah, I guess it depends on what you're, like, 
whether I look at it at a personal level mm. like that or whether you're looking at it at a community level because I've found like in the few years of doing my thesis like terminology has been probably the biggest conversation mm. that we've mm. had over and over and over again and because it changes so quickly as well and we kind of just ended up using like gender, sex and sexuality diverse as like a broad kind of heading for it but then using the language that the participants use themselves mm. within those written and verbal spaces. So kind of like, I don't think there's any perfect answer to terminology, mm. but more so about using the language that people themselves use because that's what best fits them or, yeah. Like self-identification. Yeah. 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 And do you think that that's a way that you can offer support in that community without being like you have to conform to what my research thinks yeah I think I think that's the interesting thing and we talk about it like you might have seen in class with Mm. feminism as well like with this question like what is the end goal what does equity Mm. look like for everyone Mm -hmm. but it's so different for everyone and within this like community that we call ourselves everyone under that umbrella is so different and has such different needs and different ideas of what the equity looks like. And the one thing that everyone in this group really has in common is the fact that they're outside of that like heteronormative, cis-normative mm, kind mm. of understanding of what the world is. Mm. But other than that, everyone is very different, mm. which makes it so interesting in terms of doing this research because everyone's going to have very different ideas about what they want and what um, I guess is marginalising for them because it's going to be different based on their identity. So yeah. so I guess in hearing that, are you like subliminally saying that society's ill-equipped to handle difference or indifference? Yeah, I guess because we're so like the, the way that history's been, there's such a kind of discourse around what's normal and what we consider normal to be Mm. and in the area of this it's kind of like people that are cisgender and people that are heterosexual and that are not intersex like that's our normal per se Mm. within Mm. Aotearoa after colonization like this is what normal has looked like and so anyone outside of that normal you kind of you're like that as we talk about that marked term Mm. because you're outside of that kind of normal understanding of what things are and so from there you kind of have to explain to people who you are like coming out again and again we talk about coming out as one thing but it's not obviously Mm. as you yeah you've got to come out again and again because you are outside of that norm and which just and so it's like how do we reach a point where diversity is normalized but such a broad range of diversity Mm. which is so tricky I think Mm. (laughs) no yeah Yeah. you're right and yeah, um, what are your thoughts on that? I totally agree. That that the common narrative within queer representation, particularly in media, is it's coming of age or like mm. you're coming out. Sorry, I'm like, fuck off. That's like one conversation yeah. of the ten thousand times I'm gonna have to come out throughout my life. Yeah. And mm. coming out that first time is often a mm. big conversation and a big step in your mm. identification within the world. Mm. But I have to come out every day. Mm. And it might not be a conversation. It might be the way that I dress makes me come out every day or the um, language that I use in a particular environment yeah. or, like, my partner rather than – not that I have one, but my partner <laughs> rather than, like – That was a shameless yeah. plug. Yeah, um, call me. I need love. <laughs> um, don't be so selfish. We all do. Whatever. 
No, yeah, the, no, the only reason I say that is because I see diversity as like layered as well. Mm. Because I think for me, for using it from like a non-queer space, from a from Pacifica space, yeah. um, diversity to me is like attached to acceptance. And I'm like, mm. I don't want to be accepted. Yeah. I want to be loved. I don't want to be accepted for my diversity. I want to be loved for my diversity as added value. And I think that has similar nuances to the, to my my um, space that I hold in the um, in the queer space as well as the Pacifica space where I'm like, this diversity, like we've diluted that word to a point where it's like, it means acceptance for everyone's indifference. And I'm like, okay, that's at the shallow waters and the deep waters. It's love for everyone's and appreciation and added value because of the indifference. Because for me, I feel like all of our voices that are pushing it uphill, if the people uphill answered the questions or considered the questions or the issues that we were raised, we were, were raising, it would change the whole approach of how society supports. But instead we're looked at as like, oh, you're complaining again. Or, oh my God. <laughs> The queers are talk like us are barking again, and I'm like, mm. wait. So we can hear your truth, and we can coexist within your truth, but when the roles are reversed, it's a problem. And our voice is so minimal in comparison to theirs. Oh yeah, and that's that's attached to so many other things. But your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, no. So, so what you were just saying kind of made me think about in terms of like that idea of normalization is. So the fact that, like, you get that whole, oh, you're, like, shoving it in our face or whatever because, mm. you know, you want to, like, have movies or be in, like, represented mm. in, like, media and stuff. And it's, like, your heteronormative cisgender stuff is so normalised in the media and that kind of thing that the reason that it feels like it's being shoved in your faces is because you've never fucking seen it before mm -hmm. and now all of a sudden it's there and it's not even normalised. It's just this one movie or this one representation in some kind of advert and you feel like you're dying because you have to see us <laughs> when actually we're human and we're here and you walk past us on the streets every fucking day and actually you kind of have to deal with the fact that we're here whether you like it or not. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that was some big dick energy right there. I love that. <laughs> I get very like, mm. No, I love it. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I'm here for it because to me, these are the conversations that I yearn for. Like, and if different variety, because I know I'm not the only one who like feels like, um, I'm, <laughs> I feel like my truth is my truth, but my truth never gets to like to see the day of light in, in different spaces and places because of my different identities that I hold mm. and it's like um I understand your system and I'm trying to add value to your system from my perspective and mm. that's kind of like an uphill battle constantly mm. to a point where I'm like okay so instead of me coexisting and being a creative freedom like to to innovate and engineer my own reality I'm having to put out fires mm. and I'm like mm. I don't want to be a counterbalance or counter argument all my life because mm. you've put me in that situation yeah I haven't had to counterbalance mm. until, well, so much until I came out of my um, communities. Mm. But I just want to do a throwback to um, high school. Mm. Communities within high school, what, what, what were those, what did that look like? Um, I don't know. Mana Mana was a very small town. <laughs> <laughs> very 
very wide bread town. <laughs> I, I played a lot of football, to be honest, and I um, like obviously had friends at school and stuff. We used to read a lot at lunchtime. It's very nerdy. Um, but I used to actually spend a lot of my time outside of school hanging out with people from Tararu because people were very kind of chill from there, which was a bit more my scene than mm. um, Mata Mata is a broad generalisation. <laughs> or Mata Mata, as a lot of the people like to pronounce it from Mata there. Mata <laughs> What's the matter? Mata Mata. <laughs> I don't know. I think, uh, and it's probably quite different. I, I really hope it's quite different now, but it's not, probably not. <laughs> you find a lot of people kind of... Um, not come out, but come out, you know, um, after high school. You mm. don't you don't hear a lot about diversity in Mudmudder at all, at all. Um, and then kind of you, you leave high school and everyone goes off to university or off to different cities and does what they do. And that's kind of when you find out that, oh, there is diversity and the people from there just no one really felt comfortable talking about it at high school because it mm. just wasn't an open thing. So, mm. yeah. Back to see family. Mm. <laughs> I've got a couple of friends from there, and they, it's the same same kind of thing. Yeah. Like their whanau is still there, but they only visit. Yeah, mm. and I think that's the interesting thing about uni, and what was interesting um, with my master's thesis, looking at halls, is a lot of people do come from like quite rural places where there's not a lot of diversity at all. And then they get to uni and it's just such like an eye opener for them. Or even in the, the paper that we've got with, around gender and sexuality, it's such an eye opener for people because mm. they've just never had that lived experience mm. of being around people that are different to who they are. Yes. Mm. Agreed. I feel like that was a really PC way to, to introduce like <laughs> the fact that there's too many people that are comfortable. Yeah. And comfortable. seeking validation yep. for their homophobia. Um, what? What was you, that? Okay, we're not going to dive do you, into that. Um, can you give us a quick synopsis of your research? Yeah, so, um, oh, quick. Okay. Um, no. No, 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 not quick. Just like, it's got, don't read the whole thing to us. Oh, no, it's kind of got like a weird backstory to it where mm. for my master's I looked at, it ended up being heterosexuality in halls because with a master's project being smaller, and not a lot, having looked at that in New Zealand at Halls of Residence and Sexuality, they said kind of start there as like a starting mm. point. And so I did, um, but still the conversations that I had there were some of the staff in halls saying, well, anyone that's not heterosexual, we don't know how to support them. Like, w- what do we do to make halls a safe mm. and comfortable place for them? And I was like, oh, that's really interesting that they mm. don't know. <laughs> so I, yeah, ended up for my... Um, PhD thesis looking at sexuality and gender on campus and what the campus experience is like for people. Just like, I mean, more generally looking at people that are gender and sexuality diverse Mm. um, as a broad term. Um, But just looking at gender and sexuality broadly on campus and what it's like and how we can make it a better place, both in terms of it being more inclusive, but also how to maybe better educate people about gender and sexuality so that we can reach that point of equity. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. What are some of your findings? <laughs> um, I think one of the most interesting ones for me anyway um, was kind of 
maybe I guess we could call it a generational difference is when you look at say um, staff on campus and even say my supervisors you're kind of coming from that place in the past and still current but for them particularly a place of advocacy and like you know having pride parades and being visible and having that advocacy in spaces Um, but for a lot of the younger people in the research and I've often forget that I'm like 10 years older than they all are because um, <laughs> it's hard to accept. But um, <laughs> they talked about feeling like that's still really important and for some people that's really what they love to do and that's totally great. But for a lot of them it's about reaching a point where your identity is I guess unmarked so people will just kind of accept you as who you are without it being a big deal Mm. so you could sit in your classroom and casually say oh yeah I've got a girlfriend and no one bats an eye or like there's you know um, all-inclusive bathrooms and that's just a part of the way of being so reaching for them it was like reaching a point beyond advocacy where it's not needed anymore and Mm. it's just there's no such thing as a normative gender or sexuality. It's just everyone is everyone, mm. which I thought was quite interesting. But again, it's like what that means such different things for mm. different people. Mm. So, yeah. did you see? Did you find that there was any difference between people from a variety of ethnic backgrounds? Yeah, it was really. I think um, one of the interesting things about this was that intersectionality, which you don't mm. necessarily see a lot of in the research, but I purposely included questions around like you know this this research is focusing on gender and sexuality as the main thing but that's not the only aspects of people's identity um if you feel comfortable can you tell me more about other I guess um aspects of your identity that relate to your gender and sexuality and how that might play out in the campus space and for a lot of people it was kind of like well my Māori tanga intersects with my queerness and so you know I, I want spaces that are representative of both and we don't necessarily have those spaces mm. that are representative of both or another really big one was actually um, people on the autism spectrum saying mm. I don't have a safe space I can go because I can't I don't feel comfortable going into rainbow spaces but also there's not really a space for me where both of those things intersect yeah and then also people that feel like they're not sure if they're a part of the community. So like when I did my focus groups, I used the like LGBTQIA plus acronym and I had a whole bunch of people come and they said, oh, well, you know, I'm asexual. And if you hadn't have had the A in the acronym, I probably wouldn't have messaged you because I didn't know if I was welcome or not. So that, what? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and even for a lot of bisexual people, it's like I've got, like, say I'm a cis woman and I've got a boyfriend and so I don't know, like, if I can actually Mm -hmm. go to these spaces. So there was a lot of people where they weren't kind of sure if this was for them, which I thought was quite interesting as well. Wait, so how did you you, um, navigate that space? Because I feel like um, did you already know in your heart and full-heartedly that that was a space for them or was it kind of like you just – went with, with 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 whatever you had mm. because I guess like the research part is always like mm. there's a duality to it where it's like can, am I going to get the, 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 the best uh, like people that can relate to this yeah. and then at the same time am I going to get enough yeah you know? so it's like speak on that yeah I think it was quite interesting because for me I guess it was always although I hadn't verbalized it at the start of the research it was kind of the point was to be inclusive of everyone outside of Mm. that heteronormative, cisnormative way of being. And so 
I was just kind of wholeheartedly accepting of anyone that felt like they didn't fit oh. in that kind of way that the world looks at things, mm. um, which is why I found it quite interesting when there were people in my research that weren't accepting of others outside of that. So, like, you'd get, like... Oh, the opposite effect. Oh, like, you, I th- um, there was, say, like, participants in the survey, one of them was very, like, um, exclusionary of gender diversity. But they themselves were sexuality diverse. I won't use the specific terms mm, they use, mm. so I'm not like labeling that specific person um, yeah. for anonymity reasons. But you know, it was like they they were exclusionary of other people that mm. were outside of that norm, which I actually really fucks me off. But like, yeah. um, it it I find it really interesting that people can be excluded for being different but then exclude others for being different i guess i don't quite understand how that works yeah would you say that that's like mild hypocrisy or is it just like (laughs) yeah i just i feel like if if you yourself have had that experience of being othered Mm, mm. why would you other different people like what you know that that doesn't feel good you know that you want to be accepted in society and for people to, you know, um, be okay with who you are. So why would you put that othering on other people? I just makes me really mad. Oh God, I could listen to you talk about that <laughs> all day. Do you think that them like coming to a point of, oh well, I'm not being oppressed anymore, mm-hmm. so I deserve this. They'll get mm-hmm. their turn sometime. Like at different points in your life, you're going to be privilege and oppressed for different reasons depending on where you are and the people that you're around and the society that you're in and it it really aggravates me when people don't have that self-awareness to actually think I've experienced that Mm -hmm. shit feeling um I'm now privileged and I should actually be using that privilege to help these people rather than just like you said and people do it like oh well Mm -hmm. now I'm all right so why should I worry about everyone Mm -hmm. else I don't know, be a decent fucking human being and actually <laughs> care about others yeah. and acknowledge your privilege and use that to help mm. other people. Mm. It's not that hard. That conditioning's real though. Yeah. And it's I think in a way that's the, yeah, that that was the conversation I was that we were having before around all lives matter mm. on a black. <sighs> yeah. So to me that doesn't yeah, I just I really I f- I feel like it's just complex and it, 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 it doesn't even add value. Like, and I, I love that you can articulate it in a way that I'm like, fucking be a good human. Yeah. Like it shouldn't. And, and if it's tiring for you to be a good human and point the odd thing out, imagine how fucking tiring it is for people that have to live like this every day of their lives. Love, like, yeah. Okay. Just like, why? Like it, it's not that hard for you to point out a little thing that a person's doing, or it may be like a little bit hard, like, oh, you probably shouldn't use gay in that way or something. Like that might be a bit hard for you for 10 seconds to say to someone that you know, but it's mm. it's like that's one tiny moment of your life where you felt uncomfortable, whereas the people where that affects, that affects them every fucking day. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like live with that uncomfortableness. We're all going to have to be uncomfortable at some point in our lives, and by your little bit of uncomfortableness, you're making other people's lives better yeah. in the long term. The, that ripple mm. effect, eh? Yeah. Mm. I heard this thing once and it was roughly like if equality feels like oppression, you've had you've been privileged yeah. way too long. Yeah. So true. 
Are you going to cry? No, I'm just laughing because it's like <laughs> in my head, I'm like, fucking A. Like, can this. You can cry about it. It's this fine. is literally the, the best the best thing because in a way I'm just like it's it's a sad day that to, to, to admit that I'm not privileged to these type of conversations all the time yeah. you know what I mean like I, like we have to create spaces to have these conversations you gotta hold space for yeah. these conversations that's it. yeah yeah and that's that's the beauty of it but um going back to support and I feel like that's that's literally a little bit like there's like these common themes around that um, with your communities and your community that you come from, um, how is the support for you personally? So go take it to high school or otherwise take, take it even further. <laughs> like CrossFit, like what you were mm. saying. Oh, before. yeah. So inclusive there. Like mm. everyone's so welcoming and accepting of others. And I just, yeah, the friends that I've made there are just amazing. Like everyone just wants you to be the best you whatever that looks like for you which is such a good feeling because mm. you just know that everyone there is going to be supportive of each other mm. no matter like what they're striving for within that space and so that's yeah that makes a huge difference and then I don't know it's so it was and in the research it's interesting as well like it, it can be family or friends for people but it depends on I guess the family and friends that you've got so like mm. my family they're real chill, actually. Real, real chill. I um, always told Dad that I didn't want to have kids. I was like, I'm not getting pregnant. Like, I do not want to have children. Like, I know you want grandkids, but I'm really sorry you're not getting them from me. And then <laughs> um, I, because I had a boyfriend for, God, like over seven years, and I was always very adamant about it. And then um, I ended up with my girlfriend that I've got at the moment, and I took her home, and I was like, Dad, this is my girlfriend, just like, you know, very mm. casual. And um, one of the first things that he kind of clicked on to, he was like, oh, does that mean I might get grandchildren now? And I was like, oh, that's quite a cute way of oh, thinking about so it, Dad. <laughs> so, yeah, very, very, very chill, which is, uh, yeah, it was real funny. So <laughs> they just, um, but I think because for him, like I'd played, I'd played soccer as a teenager and if you think about that kind of stereotype, I guess mm. he was kind of, and he coached the team a lot and, I think even from a small town, like you kind of, you know, learn a bit being around women that play soccer. And so for him, it was just kind of like, <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> very chill. Yeah. But so. meanwhile, and as he had called it, like, <laughs> like goes to mum, um, you owe me some. Like, 50 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> from 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Funny. So true. That, that community that you have at um, CrossFit, do you think that those people support other like the the amount of support that they show in the CrossFit community. Do you think that they show that in other facets of their life as well? Or do you mm. think that it's a CrossFit thing? Oh, that's really interesting. Um I would imagine uh, and like then they're not necessarily the most like knowledgeable about gender and sexuality per se. Mm. So mm. much as they're just very, like, supportive of people being the best version of themselves. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't, like, I don't know if they, like, go out in other areas of their lives and, like, are perfectly aware of maybe, say, the privileges and stuff that they have. But I think they're very open to, like, having conversations about stuff and being mm. supportive of others and, like, others succeeding in their lives, whatever that looks like. Because it wouldn't be yeah. a far cry from, like, what it actually, like, because I feel like once you kind of know the framework on how to, like, just accept difference and mm. support difference, yeah. 
it's almost like oh okay it's not like oh i think i'm i know this from somewhere like yeah. so it's like it's, it's kind of ingrained in you and especially yeah. crossfitters go like a minimum of two to three times like minimum of three and then maximum off every single day yeah. of the week. Yeah. So in a way, I think mm, because you're constantly me. introduced into that type of focado in your head yeah. and in your mind, it might have nuances. But I love that you're saying yeah. as well that like, you know, not every CrossFitter is there to be like, <laughs> how am I going to accept everyone today? Yeah. <laughs> but um, I guess in a way to go off her question, if that type of like, radical love for um for for self-growth and like all of those things if that's nuanced in society would that make it different if we take that type of support from crossfit and put it into like let's say the hamilton city council or something like that would that change (laughs) yes that's gonna happen (laughs) come on i'm allowed to dream (laughs) would be amazing wouldn't it like wouldn't it be just so i don't know beautiful if the world just like cared about everyone else being the best selves like right from when they're little just like you do you whatever that means for you like don't harm others obviously but like live your your best life where you can grow to your full potential of whatever that means Mm. and we just love each other for who we are as people whatever that looks like whatever that means for each of us Mm. and then not have all of these spaces where people are othered and like nobody's perfect. Like I'm not gonna be like I've been studying this for years, and I don't get I'm not perfect all the time. I'm gonna make mistakes. Everyone's gonna make mistakes, but it's about how we deal with those and converse about those and grow from those that I think is kind of the big thing. So I'm not like you. I, the world's not a perfect place, and people need to learn about this stuff. But it's how they go about doing it and the conversations that they have, mm-hmm. and the willingness to grow. I think is quite important as well. Wow. So. No, those mm. are some three like key elements. <laughs> no, for real. Mm. Like I, I, I feel like even for me in my approach to trying to support any like anybody that comes to my life, I'm like, I'm I think I used to like approach it of being like, Okay, I'm good at this, I'm gonna support you my way. Mm. And I feel like your like free concepts actually turned my whole approach to being like, actually, what do you need from me and how can I add value to that? Yeah. Yeah. Because I guess yeah yeah I've uh, you've called me out and, I'm, and I love it because that's that's what I'm here for. But at the same time, I think I can see I could definitely see how I exerted my abilities to support on somebody rather than listening to see what I can actually do to add value to their personal journey. Yeah. Is that is that what I'm getting from you? Or? Yeah, which I mean was a big learning journey for me as well because I with my partner. Um, I was, I'm always very like, go, 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 like very busy. And she lives a very like casually paced life. And uh, I went through the same learning journey where like she might get annoyed about things. And I was very like, well, here are some solutions that we can go through to sort this. And she was like, sometimes I don't want solutions. I just want to sit here and maybe have a sulk about something or sit here and like not, you know, be annoyed about it and not necessarily deal with it at the moment. And for me, that was kind of like, a oh, I've, I've never considered that there might be another way of dealing with it (laughs) and so and then it just kind of went broader than that of kind of like yeah like maybe like everyone's got their own way of doing things their own way of dealing with things and their own way of being and like 
it makes me a bit uncomfortable that she's not dealing with it, but that's my problem. That's mm. not her yes. problem. So it's kind of like accepting others for who they are, and it might make you uncomfortable, the fact that, you know, you have to deal with the fact that you've had this privileged life in some ways, and they haven't, and that's mm. really shit that that's how the world's turned out. But to change that, we need to be uncomfortable, and we need to have those conversations, and we need to, you know help others grow so that we can all reach a place where you know there's some equity mm. or there is equity I should say yeah <laughs> not some there is <laughs> yeah only some people yeah. <laughs> not you though <laughs> sounds familiar at the moment oh yeah I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> no clue <laughs> oh god we're so fucked <laughs> In all the right ways, and yep. hopefully in all the right positions as well. Oh, joke. Yes. Don't go there. Look, I'm just allowing the, 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 the listeners to, to, to fly away with the imagination. Um, Brief pause in talking. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I guess on the other side, or like flipping it on the other side, weird, like, have you ever felt like you fell through the gaps or the support mm. systems weren't actually there for you and like, is there any specific memories attached to that? Or is there any specific, um, like, scenarios where you've actually felt like, okay, support is not present in the room? Um, that, that's such a hard one for me because I think maybe with my way of being, it's not so much of an issue in some way. So, so like, I remember my, my grandpa, I, I, like, told him and about my girlfriend and he said oh I'm really disappointed but I'll always love you and I remember it really like it really pissed off a couple of my family members um and like it was sad to read but at the same time I kind of had that thing where I was like this like the way that you've been brought up Mm. like this is really hard for you to wrap your head around Mm. and I'm at a place where I'm so like comfortable in myself that I had that capacity to work with him and talk to him. And he's absolutely fine now, like loves my partner, probably more than me, to be fair. Um, <laughs> and when, which, like, that's cool. Like, um, so, whatever, not affected at yeah, all. Yeah, it's fine, whatever. <laughs> yeah, like, but I, I guess in a, I'm privileged in that respect that for me I was capable of, you know, having that, comfort in myself that I could work with him and work through that with him and things are now fine and it's the same at uni like um, doing gender and sexuality research and talking to people about it and talking to students about it is I'm privileged enough that I'm comfortable with having these discussions and knowing that you're going to run into people that have no idea or that are very ignorant about things and that the conversations are going to be hard to have with them um, but I know that I'm in a place where I can do that and so it would be a real shame if I didn't and and I know that for a lot of people they are falling through the gaps like the uni in a lot of places has only binary toilets and you know you've got staff that really aren't accepting of gender and sexuality diversity in different spaces and you know there, there are things that are going on and it makes life really hard for other people and so I feel like it would be really... I don't think I would be comfortable with myself if I wasn't using this space of privilege and comfort mm. with myself to try and better things for other people, I think. So 
myself, I'm, I haven't really experienced falling through the gaps. I'm pretty privileged. You know, I'm, I'm cisgender. The bathrooms aren't an issue for me personally. Um, my supervisors are obviously very accepting because this is the area I'm doing research in and it's obviously their research area too. Um, so yeah, I, I myself have been quite lucky. So it feels like I should be using that space to mm -hmm. support others. Because why not? Yeah. Modeling exactly what <laughs> you said before around mm. being a decent mother effing human. So yes. I'm like, I, I see consistency in you. I like it, I like it. <laughs> do you feel like that's, that you feel responsible for that? Or do you feel like it's just something that you want to do? I think it's a mix of both. I think, I don't know. I I feel like since I, I, you know, and obviously I'm not perfectly knowledgeable, but I know quite a bit about this topic. I've done this research where I've got these voices that have, like people that have shared their voices with me about the experiences that they've had. And I think there's a sense of responsibility in relation to that in terms of well, if, if they've taken the time to share their experiences with me, the microaggressions they've had, the marginalisation that's happened, then it, I, I should be using my voice to share those because they have taken the time to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but also I think it's just who I am as a person. I, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I, I feel like this is what I, it, it, I feel this is the best use of my time personally. But I know that's not the case for everyone. Like I... One of the um, quotes that came out of the focus group was, you know, to do with icebreakers in classrooms and, um, you know, people start talking about their partners or whatever and usually people are heterosexual and you kind of, they said, you have that moment where do you want to go through the whole, oh, you're gay thing. And, it, yeah. and you, you know, for, and for <laughs> some people and even for me on the odd day, like it's just really fucking tiring and you just mm. don't want to have to deal with people and what they might say and the conversations you might have to have. Um, but on a general day-to-day -day basis, I'm quite comfortable doing that. So it would mm. be a real shame if I didn't, I think, mm. yeah. Do you think that visibility is important? Yes. <laughs> I watched this um, episode of on Apple TV called Visible Out on Television and it is amazing. I cried my eyes out. Um, and the first episode was all about context of how queer and trans people have been represented in television mm -hmm. from when television started yeah. and they've got up to, I don't know, like the 90s or something. Yeah. And after watching that, I felt this overwhelming feeling of, like, gratitude yeah. and a sense of responsibility to be visible for the community. Yeah. And it really solidified why, like, I'm so happy to put in my weekends on this podcast or put in evenings mm. or like yeah. 10 o'clock who is at night yeah. to just like get <laughs> shit done yeah. because the, this offers an opportunity for us to hold space and be visible for our community. Yeah. So I'm yeah. in that vibe right now. Ooh. Love it. <laughs> yeah. And because it makes such a difference for other people, I think, is the thing. So like... Yeah, for sure. Like this will... Like with the research for example with me or even with the paper that we're doing like it it's a small amount of my time that I use that's then going to have such a ripple on effect for other mm. people so like you have people in the paper that are kind of like oh 
you know, um, I thought about that thing that you said about asking people about whether they've got a partner rather than assuming if they've got a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And like that takes five minutes of my time to explain mm. that that's really beneficial. But the ripple on effect that that has for not only people that didn't understand, but also, like you said, the visibility and mm. the fact that that's going to make such a difference for others. Like what? Yeah, it, it, I don't know. It just... I don't know where I was going with that, but it's it's it just yeah, yeah yeah. I think also it's really important for people who are now or yeah. like for our young people to yeah. see that there's more than just this binary that we're yeah. bombarded by yeah. through society in yeah. so many different ways. Yeah. Levels. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um. So I guess to me, do you think that this like, like, because to me I'm thinking, society kind of thinks that we need to hierarchy and and put in place all our issues from like the most prioritized ones to the most like less prioritized mm-hmm. ones mm-hmm. and in a way do you think that there's a competition of where to put this like you know is there a hierarchy of like do we deal with maori issues mm-hmm. first do we deal with like pakia issues first do we deal with pacifica issues first oh and then right in the forest queue there is the queer community issues you know like so do you like tell me your thoughts around the hierarchy of issues within society or have you thought about it yeah, and I find it really interesting that it's so siloed as well because, I mean, obviously there's going to be things that are very specific to those communities that need addressing, but you're also going to have people that are a part of these different communities at the same time where, mm-hmm. like, sure, you can address one little thing that might help their life, but there's so much more to people than just those that like that one mm-hmm. aspect of them. So it yeah. feels like there needs to be this, like, big wraparound thing where we're looking at... And maybe this is just with the, I don't know how this would work like on a societal level, but thinking about it in terms of this research is yeah. it it started as like a what can we do to support, you know, gender and sexuality diverse people on campus. And then you realise that everyone in that community is so different and they've got these intersecting identities. And then it becomes, is it about that or is it about these structurally normative things that we have that need breaking down so that we can look at these intersectional identities and make everyone equitable Mm. so yeah about I don't know it started at least with this anyway to become more about the the structural things and the breaking down of that normativity rather than like here's this pocket community that we need to look at to somehow to bring up and to bring up and to bring up Instead, maybe it's about breaking down what we've got at the top rather mm. than trying to bring up specific communities, maybe. 100%. Yeah. I totally mm. get that. That's like blowing my mind. Yeah. <laughs> no, I totally get that. Your thoughts? I don't have any. That's just like exploded my brain. <laughs> she wasn't honestly, ready for like, why, why are we trying to operate within a society that isn't made for us? Yeah. You talk well, you speak the language of that type of energy. Maybe I just didn't realise it. Mm. And I think that's the thing oh. is like having these conversations helps to articulate these things, I yeah. think. Because they're kind of there in your brain, but like talking about them I think mm. helps to kind of bring it all to the forefront. Because like for a lot of this we were 
like for years throughout my thesis talking about terminology and arguing about what terminology to use and da da da. And that's when we realised it was that broad overview of the mm. not being normative within these spaces. And yeah, like I said at the start about how can we support the, these different people. And then you kind of have that realisation of actually it's about changing those structural things because, like you said, how, how can we rise within this space that's not actually built for us mm. in any way? Yeah. yeah. 100%. Um, and then at the same time, I guess, would that be demonstrated through, like, how these structures were put in place through history? Because I feel like tracing the genealogy of all of these structure uh, structural systems actually does in its own way dismantle the perceived truths because come on we were sold the 20 percent of the iceberg with all of these structures and we're still being sold the 20 percent of that and the underlying philosophies are like and that's the crazy thing because people are like oh yeah there's marriage equality like things are great now no they're fucking not like (laughs) like like even like you look at our education system and right from the word go kids are taught like oh you know Mother's Day, it's Father's Day, people have a mum and a dad, like this is how life yeah. works, take this home to your mum and dad, blah, mm. blah, blah, blah. And then like you go to healthcare and I'm sure like you two maybe have had similar experiences where they just assume that mm-hmm. you are heterosexual and like, okay, so, you know, what birth control are you on? None, okay. Yeah. So, what, you know, can you before. get pregnant? No. And then they look confused for a minute and you have to be like, well, here's me explaining my healthcare to you because you don't consider the fact that yeah. I might be different from that normative way of being. Mm. And so... It's always it's really just, fun when you've had your doctor since you were seven. So. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's true. Like, it, yeah, it is. And they just, they just don't consider... And so it's like, sure, we can add in, like, a marriage equality, which is great. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying it's not great, but there's just so many of these structural things in place everywhere mm-hmm. where you are considered outside of that normative way of being. And it's like you can do these pockets of things and we can, you know, talk to people and change general society conversations, which is great and needs to happen. But we also really need these structural things to change too because they really instill right from the word go that, like, this Mm. is the normative way of being. Yeah. Because I guess to me, I always look at those... um, So my current, like, master's journey has told me uh, people have um, shaped my thoughts around... Um, all of these thought leaders and like academics that have actually put in work to do, and they've done some really hard work. But um, one of my um, uh, one of my lectures was just saying to me, they've done that work so that you can have a conversation with mm. their work. Mm. And in a way, I'm like this: Can we take that type of like framework and put it towards our policies yeah. and our legislation mm. and all those things? They worked for a time, but because we've come, we're, we're, we're like we've got new knowledge, mm. we've got new ways yeah, of approaching yeah. things, we're, we're way more innovative mm. now. Yeah. We need to have a conversation with all of those concreted policies, legislations, yeah. and laws because it's like, come on, they were yeah. built for a certain purpose. Yeah. We've exceeded that purpose now. Yeah. We need to change and adapt, or at least talk about shifting in in the way that we're currently operating. So true, so very true. Yeah, and just people are so siloed. Like we just, and we, I mean, we do this as humans, like put people in boxes and things, which. I mean, to some extent is useful, but there's also places like this where it's really not. And it's like, why aren't we having these across-boundary conversations where researchers and academics are working in with policymakers, which I know happens a little bit, but, you know, actually listening and actually creating change <laughs> would be nice. <laughs> and then, Imagine. Yeah, what? <laughs> and so, yeah, I just, oh, 
yeah, no, I completely agree with what mm. you said. <laughs> no, yeah, because that's the part where I'm like, okay, if I can see this, it only took me, I don't know, like one whole semester to get that type of understanding and the depth and the wealth of it as well. Because it's like now I understand that um, my ancestors have like not are not physically with us, but their thoughts are with us through literature, through all of these things. And it's like, I'm having conversations with my ancestors at a different level now, and it just crosses time and space. And that's not just for me, it happens for everybody. And that's like, I guess, that's why it's so important for me, positionality within your research as well. So did you want to talk about that or... Yeah, um, so my, my background's community psychology, which is very applied, very practical. And so I've been working away at my thesis and the kind of purpose of the whole thing was to have some kind of outcome or intervention that actually made like a practical difference and could be applied. And um, recently my supervisors were kind of like, well, what, what's your theoretical contribution? And I was like, what are you talking about? And they're like, well, mm-hmm. you know, usually the purpose of a thesis is to contribute to some kind of theory or to add to what's already known in the theoretical world. And I was like, I haven't fucking thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's somebody else's privilege. What are you talking about? (laughs) Because I was just so very, um, you know, from this community psych background where you like you want to practically use what you're researching Mm. and acknowledging your position as a researcher, knowing that I've got this privilege of doing this research and Mm. being in this space and having access to these voices. And to me, it just makes perfect sense to use that to create some kind of practical outcome that's going to benefit the people that have spoken to me I don't I, I mean I, theory is important too obviously but for me it's like the in this area the less important thing like it's great to have theories but if you're not actually using those theories to have any kind of practical outcome and create change then what's the point all that all it's going to do is sit in a nice little journal article like every other theory and not actually make a difference to people's lives Juliana, you're definitely coming back for (laughs) more tea because you spilled too much tea, but at the same time, not enough. Yeah, I get very like I could just ramble all day. It's pretty bad. No, No, it's not rambling. It's great. Mm. All right, so I guess we were created the far queue because we we believe that um, there's a lot of conversations that are still in the far, like in the far queue, and waiting to um, be. So waiting for their time in the limelight. So I guess we want to give you the opportunity to, from your personal experience, what are conversations that you're seeing from your worldview that are in the far queue that needs to be brought to life? Yeah. Oh, good question. Um, I think the one thing that really gets me, and it comes back again, is to those structural things of I don't fully understand why it's acceptable for discrimination and marginalisation to happen in the first place. So, like, if we look at the uni systems and, you know, they've got their policies and they're, like, you know, anti-bullying and da-da-da, that kind of thing, and we've kind of reached a point where it's, like, inclusive of culture, obviously it's not great, Mm -hmm. but, like, there's kind of that level of awareness there of what's maybe okay and not okay to say to Mm. a certain extent, like explicitly. Um, But I don't know that we've necessarily reached that point with gender and sexuality. So, like, you know, you have – I've had people in the research talk about, like, you know, um, lecturers will dead name me or they'll, like, um, you know, give give you, like, me bad grades once I came out to them, that kind of thing. 
and you know nothing's necessarily done about that because mm. it's such an like gender and sexuality is quite a new conversation for a lot of people that they don't necessarily know how to deal with it and even with students in the classroom like when there's kind of um like I think one example that was given is one of the tutors said you know we're going to talk about groups that we're a part of and a student said well I'm part of the LGBT plus community and someone else in the class laughed and said you know that's not a group and they, the student said well yeah it is and the tutor I guess didn't really know how to deal with mm-hmm. it and just kind of brushed over it and quickly moved on which I mean a bit hard for the tutor because they're not overly like prepared for these kinds mm-hmm. of conversations like they don't get the kind of training that they need but then that also puts the student in a really uncomfortable space where their identity is marginalized by another student and it's not dealt with yeah. and I think one of the big things with this is like it I, we need these conversations to happen in general but we need these structural changes to happen as well so that it's very clear that this kind of behavior isn't okay Mm. and that actually we are inclusive and we say what we mean and we do what we mean so it's not just about that tokenistic Mm. like yeah we're gonna have this many Māori students and this many da 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 and this is you know um, we're gonna Mm -hmm. we're gonna have this in place and then actually not do anything with it which fucks me off too with like (laughs) (laughs) tell us all about it with organizations when they have those like tokenistic like oh we're we're gonna do this but it's so subjective what that actually looks like so it's like oh yeah like we're gonna create this strategy where we support these students but Mm. you know what what does that actually look like what are you actually doing to create change within your space and to be fair to the uni the new campus that they've got in Tauranga does have all-inclusive bathrooms, which is great and was needed. And, you know, there are steps that are happening, but there's just so many structural things that need to change for this to be a space that's, like like we were talking about before, how do you have, how can you feel like you're equitable and part of a community if those spaces and structural systems don't support you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, like, obviously you want the people around you to be supportive, but you need those spaces to be supportive too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. All right. And also to add value to that, I'm just going to insert the word Mm -hmm. education. Yes. So how do do you feel? So I I agree with exactly what you said. Um, How does education play a part of that? I think you... You just need it right from the beginning. Like mm. it just makes you, like all those people are like, oh, my children aren't ready to, you know, have conversations like that. Yeah. Like what the fuck does that even mean? Like these are people that are just, you know, they're, they're people. That That's life. Like you can't just be like, they're not old enough to learn about that. How does that even work? That doesn't make sense. And if young kids are like, you know, capable of learning that racism happens to them and homophobia mm-hmm. happens to them, then why can't other kids learn that actually it's not okay to do that in the yeah, first place? Totally agree. Just, what the fuck? <laughs> um, so, I don't know. I've, like, and, Love you know, it. it doesn't, I think, particularly because of the topic, people get so uncomfortable because it's like, not oh, gender as well, but sexuality, there's kind of that assumption that it's related to sex. And so they're like, oh, you know, kids shouldn't be having these conversations. You don't need to start that conversation when they're like five. It could just be like, oh, you know, your friend has two mums, you know, mm. that, that's what a family can look like or, you know, what, whatever that means. And kids are actually really accepting yeah. when they're not taught from the appearance that discrimination's acceptable. Like, <laughs> kids, kids aren't inherently racist or sexist mm. or anything else or homophobic. You're nurtured and trained, like, right? Yeah, yeah like, 
<laughs> it's so, all learnt behaviour. It, exactly. And so it's like, why can't we start these conversations when they're younger to the point where it's normalised that, you know, ev- everyone's different, but we like we love people for their difference, not in spite of that difference. Yes. Like it just, and then you get to like high school and intermediate and it's kind of like, you know, people have heterosex and but you should you know not not do it casually you should find that partner that you love and and then like there's like a very set understanding of what sex and sexuality looks like no discussion about gender other than the assumption that people are cisgender and then so people just don't know any different necessarily because they just I mean unless you are different yourself but for all of the cisgender and heterosexual people like they, they probably aren't even considering the fact that people might not fit into that because they're privileged enough to assume that that's the way of being. Yeah. And so why aren't we having these conversations right through education that actually everyone is diverse in so many different ways and that's great because if we were all the same, the world would be a really fucking boring place. Yes. Like, go there. <laughs> totally. <laughs> all right, all right. And the last question is um, you, you, you've mentioned that uh, you – like you didn't, you personally didn't feel um, like you fell through the the gap in terms of support. But in terms of the recipe for support, what is one main ingredient that you reckon actually added value to the way your community supported you? So what's one what's one key factor or one ingredient that you'd say? That that's such a hard one because I feel like it looks so different for different mm. people. Mm. Like you know, I know people with. They just would rather not talk about it and that's cool and that's their way of being and, like, great, if that works for you, then that's fine. And then for other people, it's, like, the the visibility is really important and the discussions about it are really important and that kind of thing and that that's great as well. So I think I feel like it, and I found this with this research all the time, it's so hard to, like, have an answer of what equity looks like and what support looks like Mm. because everyone is just going to be so different but I think the main thing is about listening to the person that you're talking to so like rather than assuming because like for me it's just kind of like I'm just who I am and that's cool and I just want people to just kind of nod and say whatever um but that's like I said not the same for everyone Mm. so it's about considering things outside of your own worldview and thinking for this person it's really important for them that I acknowledge who they are and have these discussions and for this person, not talking about it is going to make them feel more comfortable in themselves. So that's probably what I should do for them. So, yeah, I think the main thing is actually fucking listening to other people and, like, <laughs> you know, having a conversation and accepting who they are for who they are and, like, mm. just living that because, if you know, that's going to make them happy and it's going to make you, like, you know, happy to, you know, that they feel loved, then why wouldn't you? I don't know. A lot of it feels like common sense, but maybe it's not. I don't know. <laughs> Just like love people, people and be kind. All, so. <laughs> yeah. There's, oh, fucking, I, I don't get it. It's like, how does what my sexuality looks like impact on your life in any way whatsoever? Whatsoever. The fact that this bathroom 
doesn't have a stereotype of like a, a figure with a dress on it, how does that actually impact your life when it still has a toilet in it? I don't quite understand why you need to get so triggered by these things <laughs> when they don't fucking impact on you in any way, but they can make the world of difference to other mm-hmm. people. It's not that hard. I'm yeah. so no. glad you said that because you've literally just induced uh, a memory in me right now. And when... Because I, I went through a stint in, um, in Christianity as well. Um, and I still love all the people that I made genuine connections with. Um, but when the we were voting for um, the equal marriage, um, one, of the, one of the leaders said to me, I'm really disappointed in this because I won't get a chance to, to tick husband on, 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 like on the marriage, to, like on, on the application. I'd have to tick partner. And in my head, I'm like, was that a woman? No, it was or a male. A man. So they had. They said that they got annoyed that they wouldn't have to tick husband and wife mm. on an application form. And in my head, I'm like, like listening to what you just said really affirmed the fact that I'm like, that was literally the most bullshit moment that they put me through. Mm. Yeah. Where it's like you disregarded equality mm. and equity for all mm. over an application form. Yeah, and you're perceived right to tick an application form where I was like damn they exerted their like insecurities for me and I'm like oh snap yeah so that was really brought it home for me there actually and it's like maybe think outside of yourself in the (laughs) fact that like this is going to make such a difference for people's lives when it's just one tiny moment that you're not actually going to, like, is that going to affect you in, like, six months? Are you going to sit there and go, mm. oh, this is so, like, you know, one box. Oh, it's like, really? <laughs> That's yeah, what you're that investing your energy into? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, wow, maybe just be appreciative of the fact that this one small thing that's in your life is actually going to be really wonderful for other people. Mm. Like, live with that discomfort for a minute. Everyone has to live with discomfort in their lives. And nobody likes it. I mean, none of Mm. us enjoy doing it. But, you know, that's how we grow, and it's actually going to change and make things better for others. So, you know, suck it up. (laughs) Love it. Good way to end up. Thank you so much for dropping, like, pure... Tea, like that was some really juicy like conversations there, and I feel like we could go mm-hmm. on forever. Um, so good, but at the same time, this, we have this, to bring you back next season please, for another conversation. Please, please. Um, no, I'm not even joking you. That was really good conversations. Um, any final thoughts? Is there any like if people want to engage with your research, where can they find it? Oh, um, so the the report that I did for the uni is available through the University Research Commons. Like, you can just search it in their Research Commons and it'll pop up. Yes. University of... Like a tour. Yeah. And um, there's also, I'm, like, on there, there's, like, a um, trans health group at the uni and I'm on there, like, About Us page and I think there's contact details on there as well mm-hmm. um, through... You yeah. all, if they want to get in touch with me, yeah, sure. I'm we always happy to talk up. about it. Cool. Thank Thanks for coming. Thanks, Thanks for, for sharing your me. thoughts. It was really great. <laughs> Joe, any final thoughts? No, I feel like I'm really enriched right now and at the same time affirmed because I feel like um, a lot of the things that you said has kind of really concreted some like areas for me where I was like, oh, I, I know this, but now it's like I know and understand this now. Because it's like strength, you've literally strengthened my my underlying philosophy. So thank you. 
Thank you. It was the same for me as well, talking to both of you. And I think that's why these conversations are so important is because you have that opportunity, like, articulate these things and bounce ideas mm. off each other mm-hmm. about topics that aren't usually talked about. And it gives you that space to actually, you know, I don't know, come up with more concrete ideas about things. So thank you both. Yes. Thanks for coming. It's a great segue <laughs> to our um, <laughs> sequence in the do 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 Fuck you. Um, also, so you can good. you can uh, follow us on Instagram. Yes, uh, fuck you podcast. Hashtag <laughs> <laughs> We're trying. <laughs> All right, bye. bye.